Well, church, throughout the season of Advent, uh, we have been looking at uh, how Jesus' arrival into the world um, in his first appearing has affected and impacted the various characters of the original Christmas story. And then we're considering how we, uh, remembering his first appearing and anticipating his second coming, may experience the same effect because of Jesus' presence in our lives today. So far we've looked uh, at the hope that Jesus' Jesus's coming brings into the hopeless places of our lives. When we consider the story of, of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Last week we looked at the, the wonderful disruption that Jesus brings into our lives through the story of Mary and how through those disruptions that occur as a result of Christ daily growing inside of us, our lives might be able to magnify the Lord. This week uh, we're turning our attention to a little known and a little known about uh, character in the, Christmas, in the post-Christmas story named Simeon. Now, uh, because of what Simeon reveals about Jesus, Simeon's story is often told during the season of Epiphany, uh, which is when we celebrate that Christ has been made known throughout the world. But today we're not focusing on what Simeon had to say about Jesus's life. Instead, we're looking at the effect that Jesus's life had on Simeon. And it's an effect that we all need to experience more of in our own lives. The story is told in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. So if you have Bibles with you, I want to invite you to uh, open there with me as we look at the impact that Jesus' coming into the world had on Simeon. This story, it picks up in verse 22 where we read that when the time came for Mary and Joseph's purification... They brought Jesus to the temple to present him before the Lord. And on this trip into the temple, Mary and Joseph encountered a man named Simeon. As I mentioned, Simeon is is little known and little known about uh, as a character in the Bible. And the reason that he is little known is because in the entire Bible, he is only mentioned in this one short story. And all that we are told about um, him in this story is almost nothing. In fact, the sum total of what we know about Simeon from the Scriptures is found in verse 25 and verse 26, where we read that Simeon was righteous and devout and waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, that sounds like a pretty outstanding person, doesn't it? A moral and religious man who had placed his hope in God and was waiting for God's comfort, God's promise and provision of a Savior to come. That sounds like an ideal Jewish man. In fact, it sounds like such an ideal Jewish man that one commentary I read indicated that Simeon personified faithful and expectant Israel. He embodied the very best of what Israel was to be. He was a model Jew. That's high praise from this commentary. But I'm not sure that this commentator went far enough. Because I think that Simeon might actually embody even more than that for us. For not only is he a religious and faithful man, but what we learn at the end of verse 25 and in verse 26 is that the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
And that the Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so not only is Simeon religious and devout and faithful and hoping in God like a good Jew, but he is also overcome with the Spirit of God. And he seems to be in tune with the Spirit's leading and guiding and working in his life, uh, pointing him to the Messiah. This makes Simeon almost an ideal Christian as well. Because the main difference between the Jew and the Christian is the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God in our lives, constantly pointing us to Jesus. And so in Simeon, but we have not just the ideal Jewish man, but, but really the ideal person of God for any age. Old or New Testament. Jew or Christian. In a way, he can personify the very best of us all. And that's what makes Simeon's response to meeting Jesus so incredibly profound. Because here's what I mean by that. But when Simeon eventually encountered Jesus... We're told in verse 27 that he was led by the Spirit into the temple, and there he met Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And when Simeon saw Mary's child, he took Jesus into his arms and blessed God, saying, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. Now what Simeon said about Jesus' life, that he had come for for all of the peoples, that as a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for Israel, that is an epiphany. That, That is new knowledge about Jesus that is for the world. Right? What Simeon said about Jesus was an epiphany. But what Simeon experienced because of Jesus, that was a personal, all of life changing impact that he had for himself. Listen again to how he describes it. When Simeon first held Jesus in his arms, he acknowledged to God that now he could depart in peace. Which by implication means that prior to meeting Jesus, prior to seeing God's salvation, prior to holding Jesus in the flesh, he did not have peace. We see this at another point in the story too. Earlier in the passage, Simeon was described as one who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And waiting for consolation means that consolation wasn't there yet. It hadn't come yet. The absence of consolation is desolation. And so what we see from Simeon in this passage is that without Jesus in his life, Simeon had no real peace. Without Jesus present there with him, there was no ultimate comfort or consolation from God. Even though Simeon was a godly man who was devout and was in tune with the Spirit of God, prior to this moment, Simeon was living without true peace and in desolation. And so this story reminds us that that is what life without Jesus is. 
In the time of the fall, when our first parents, Adam and Eve, disobeyed God, experienced spiritual death and were separated from God because of their sin. Since that time, all of humanity has been marked by a lack of peace and by a spirit of desolation. It's present in every human heart. One way that this is evidenced is by the striving and discontentment of humanity. To know that this is true, we need to look no further than to the lives of the the smartest and the richest and the most powerful people in our world. Who despite their near infinite wisdom, unimaginable wealth, and endless influence, often remain some of the most discontented people on the planet. They are for us a modern day reenactment of the book of Ecclesiastes. Searching to the end of the wisdom of this world only to find that it's never complete. Never answers all of the questions of our hearts. Experiencing self-indulgence to the full only to find that it never satisfies. Pouring themselves entirely into their work only to find that it doesn't ever fulfill them. Seeking out riches and treasures and pleasures to no end only to find them all to be ultimately Empty. Despite having everything that this world has to offer, never finding true joy, never gaining real contentment, never experiencing lasting peace. They find themselves continuing to strive for more, continuing to try to justify themselves, continuing to search for true and lasting peace, for that deep soul consolation and comfort. They're never able to find it. Despite having everything that this world has to offer, they and we with them often experience what the writer of Ecclesiastes came to understand, that life under the sun is meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. Another way that this lack of peace and consolation is evidenced in the human heart is in the fear and anxiety and worry that persists all around us. And within us, as a result of living in a fallen and broken world. The constant potential of disappointment and loss and hurt lingering around every corner. It often feels like we carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. Like it's up to us to keep things going, to hold it all together, to make sure that everything and everyone is okay. That's a burden that we can't bear. As a result, we may experience moments of peace and comfort in this life, but it always feels fragile and it rarely seems to endure. And so whether it's because of our striving or because of our struggling, we are a people who are always searching and always coming up short in our search for peace and for consolation. And the reason we can't find those things here. The reason that so many people search so long and so hard and come up so short is because God has made us for more than just this life. The scriptures tell us that he has put eternity into our hearts. As a result, we'll never be satisfied with only what is here in this temporal life. We were made for so much more than this. We were made for the divine. It's as the great theologian Augustine said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. There is a restlessness in the human heart that can only be satisfied 
that can only find peace through a right relationship with our Creator. But ever since the fall of mankind and our rebellion against God, we've been out of step with our Lord. We've not been in right relationship with God. This is the effect of sin in our lives. The Bible says it actually makes us enemies with God. And that will always prevent us from experiencing the peace and the consolation that we so desperately seek. This is why Jesus' coming, which we remember here in Advent, is so important in our world and in our lives because He comes to give us what we have never found and what we can never find for ourselves. And He comes to give us what we have never been able to obtain and what we never will be able to obtain through our own striving and searching. He comes to offer us the peace that we so desperately seek and the consolation that we so desperately need. This has been the hope of the people of God forever. That an offspring of Eve would come who would crush the head of the serpent that had disrupted our peace with God. That a child would come who would be the prince of peace. One for whom the increase and the expansion of his kingdom and of his peace there would be no end. That a savior would come who would be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and upon whom our chastisement would be placed which would bring us peace. And so when the time was right, God sent his son into the world. And Jesus, the prince of peace, was born. And he came to preach peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. He did what we were unable to do on our own. He, he broke down the dividing wall of hostility between God and man by justifying us through his life and death. And in doing so, he himself became our peace. And giving himself to us and for us, he gave us peace with God. And this is what Simeon experienced when he beheld Jesus in the temple. In that moment, when he fixed his eyes on Jesus, something changed. Knowing that God's salvation had come. Simeon knew that he could live the remainder of his life in peace. And at the end of his life, he could rest in peace. He knew that he didn't have to strive anymore. That he didn't have to measure up anymore. That he didn't have to prove his value or his worth anymore. He knew that Christ would do that for him. And Simeon knew in that moment as he held God in the flesh who had come to this earth for him. Simeon knew in that moment that he was seen by God and known by God. He was loved by God. And that no matter what challenges he faced in this life, everything was going to be okay because God had come down. Simeon didn't have to hold the weight of the world anymore. God had come to do it for him. In that moment, Simeon's striving and his struggling ceased. And he experienced the peace and the comfort and the consolation of God. That is what knowing Jesus does for us. That is what fixing your eyes on Jesus can do for you. And part of what I love about Simeon, the main reason I wanted to preach this story is because it reminds us that if Simeon didn't have peace... Until he saw Jesus, 
Right? If Simeon, the, the faithful Jew personified, the, the model man of God, and in some ways the model Christian almost, if he didn't have peace and consolation without having fixed his eyes on Jesus, then none of us will have peace in our lives without beholding Jesus and laying hold of him. For Jesus is the only way that we will ever find the peace that we search after. Right living isn't enough. That Simeon was righteous, but he didn't have peace. Right? Being devout and religious isn't enough. Simeon spent his time, all of his time around the temple. Day after day, he was living a model religious life, but he didn't have peace. Even having the Spirit of God overcome your life, that on its own isn't enough. Simeon didn't have peace. He still didn't have peace. He was doing everything right, but peace evaded him until he beheld Jesus. And then everything changed. And so church, when you find yourself dissatisfied and unfulfilled by what this world has to offer you, when you find yourself empty because of its pursuits, frustrated by its rotten fruits, exhausted and worn down by its endless grind, then turn your eyes to Jesus. Behold him who came to end your striving for approval, who came to end your search for significance, who came to point you to true and to lasting pleasures and joys. And when you find yourself beaten and bruised by the world, weighed down by worry, paralyzed by fear, broken by loss, Behold, Him who came to bear the weight of the world for you. Who wants to remind you that you are seen and you are known. And you are loved and you are held by your Creator. The One who is in control of all things. And He wants to give you what the world never can. So turn your eyes to Him again and again and again. And over and over again, every day for the rest of your lives, until he appears again. The only way that Simeon, the model man of God, was able to find peace was by beholding Jesus. It's the only way that we will as well. And so church, I want to close this morning with... The lyrics from a song written by Helen Limmel, uh, entitled, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. You probably know this song. But I believe that it sums up this idea pretty perfectly. Where she writes, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and his grace. Church, may we do this. May we behold Jesus for God's glory and for our good.